it's great once again to be able to get into God's word and particularly to look this morning at some lessons in leadership. We have been, as we journeyed through Paul's letter to the Philippians, we've been looking at issues about unity and humility. And Paul is encouraging the believers to be united, to be of one mind and one heart because of their identity and because of the work that Jesus had done in their lives. And also he comes along and brings Jesus' example to say, this is why we need humility and unity in the church, because we want to follow in the footsteps of our master. And now he almost gives a personal example of both himself as well as his interaction with two of his fellow leaders, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And what Paul is doing, he is bringing a wonderful set of lessons in leadership or describes what Christian leadership should be all about. It's not overt, but it's more observed. And this is a timely reminder because we've been plagued with so many recent stories of leaders, very well-known Christian evangelical leaders who have fallen, people like Bill Hybels, people like Carl Lentz, and even the late Ravi Zacharias. And they are incredibly heartbreaking stories of moral failure that just goes to show how important Christian leadership is. One of the beautiful things about these observances of, of, of qualities of leadership in what Paul is writing is that it ages well and it's got incredible authority. And also because of its time span, it has credibility. There is nothing like God's word that can enable us to understand what really authentic quality Christian leadership is all about. And you might say, well, why is this really important to us? Well, I think it's really important for, for, for every one of us. It'd be a, an important reminder for the current leaders. It would be a challenge for the aspiring leaders. And it certainly would be a real encouragement for us all. Because for me, leadership is primarily about discipleship. And discipleship is the process in which we're all involved. So let's look into the text and see what Paul is writing. So he's writing to the church in Philippi and he says this to them. I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like Timothy who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Wonderful insights into relationships and values of leadership. And the first thing that really strikes me is that leadership has a sense in which leaders belong in teams. Leaders belong in teams. While I'm recording this, somebody's ringing me on my phone. So I had to deal with that distraction, the joys of recording. Leadership belongs in teams. Leaders belong in teams. You see this wonderful interplay here between Paul, Timothy, 
and the Philippian church. The three of them are all involved and what underpins everything is a relational strength. And that's why Paul is saying to the church, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy that I may be cheered when I receive news about you. And in other words, the church would be encouraged when Timothy as a young gifted leader would come to see them. Paul would be encouraged when he gets news about the church. And Timothy would be encouraged as he gets to serve in the church. Everything about this is talking about relationships and teams. So there's a team in which Paul and Timothy serve together side by side. So when Paul is in house arrest in Rome and he can't go to visit the church that he dearly loves in Philippi, he's able to send as part of the team one of the younger leaders whom he has developed and released into ministry. Paul is not precious about holding the attention just to himself. It's a team effort. And Paul and Timothy work side by side in serving the church. And I love the relationships that are going on there because in one sense Timothy would go and the way he, he describes Timothy, he says, Paul is saying, there's no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Timothy has genuine concern for the welfare of the church. He loves that church. He cares about them. He worries about them. And then Paul expects to be cheered when he gets news about the church. Everything about those two descriptions, Paul being cheered, Timothy showing genuine concern, they're emotional expressions. They betray a sense of relational, emotional involvement in one another's lives. This is not just a, a business. This is not just dotting an I and crossing a T. This is not just about ticking a box. This is about real people with real feelings being interconnected and being part of one another's lives. You see, the danger for leaders very often is that they can be driven by ego. And the danger for leaders is that in their egotistical nature, they can become isolated. And it's all about them and it's a team of one and the life of a lone ranger. You don't see this in the ministry of Paul. And he has this wonderful sense of being part of a team, being a partner with the church in Philippi and being a partner with a fellow servant in the gospel in Timothy. I love that. It's emotional, it's relational, it's in unity. It betrays a sense of team. You'd remember an Old Testament episode, uh, the Battle of Rephidim described in Exodus 17, where the Israelites were battling the Amalekites. And you have this beautiful picture when actually uh, Joshua is doing one job, being hands-on in, in the valley, and then you've got Moses interceding, praying. And when his hands grow tight and he can't lift his, up his hands in prayer, Aaron and Hur hold his hands. So the question at the end of the victory is whose merit was it? Was it Joshua's? Was it Moses's? Was it Aaron's? Was it hers? The answer is, it was a team effort. Everybody was in this together. And it's a beautiful picture of what leadership is like for the Christian leaders. So the question for those of you who are leaders and serving in any position, do you love your people? Are you still into relationships? Are you still 
committed to being part of a team have you become self-centered and it's all about you and maybe the question goes the other way for the church just as much as Paul and Timothy loved the church in Philippi the church in Philippi loved those two it's a two street two-way relationship church do you love your leaders and do you pray for them because it's all about being part of one big team in one of my favorite tv shows in the west wing Toby Ziegler, the communications director of the White House, finds out that somebody inside his group of interns had leaked a very damaging piece of information. He gathers them all together and the expectation, if you don't know what the outcome is going to be, is that they will all get fired and be told off. But this is the excerpt of a speech that he gives to them. We're a group. We're a team. From the president and Leo, that's the chief of staff from the president and leo on through we are a team we win together we lose together we celebrate and we mourn together and the defeats are softened and the victories sweeter because we did them together you're my guys and i'm yours and there's nothing i wouldn't do for you that's team and that's what you see in paul timothy and the philippian church the other thing is leaders belong in teams but also leaders serve god listen to the words through which paul is describing timothy verse 21 everyone looks out for their own interest not those of jesus christ but i have no one verse 20 no one else like timothy who will show genuine concern for your welfare leaders serve god so the temptation for world leaders is to use people to build one's platform and the leaders in the world and by the world i mean in in our society the, the, those leaders who don't know and don't serve and don't love jesus they serve just by natural instinct very often the people that they work with are just simply projects to be fixed or pawns to be used in their own programs. Or even more, for many, the people that they serve are pa patrons to be satisfied. So actually everything about a worldly leadership becomes either about me as a leader or about the people that I serve. And that's a dangerous thing in Christian ministry. And what you find is a wonderful description of what Timothy is doing. He's saying, for everyone looks out for their own interests, so they can be selfish, not those interests of Jesus Christ. So the contrast that Paul is building is not that Timothy is not looking for his own interests, but the interest of the other people, which you would expect him to say, but he says no. Timothy is looking for the interest of Jesus Christ. Godly leaders serve God. Godly leaders learn to live for the audience of one. Yes, Timothy is not a people pleaser. He's not living there to please Paul or the Philippians. Timothy lives to please God. You would remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane struggling with a mission that was ahead of him and the difficulty, the unimaginable difficulty of the task that lay before him of going to the cross. 
Jesus says, Father, if it is your will, depart from me, this cup. Talking about a suffering that was coming ahead. But then he added, yet not my will, but yours be done. In a prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, Our Father, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Godly leaders serve God, are God-centered. And let me say this to you, a godly leader will take turns in disappointing his people. Because it is impossible for us as godly leaders, if we have our heart set for the audience of one, to not end up in different situations at different times, disappointing personal preferences that people may have. It's impossible. But it's important for godly leaders to be free from the desire to either please themselves or please people and learn to please Christ alone. I remember reading the words that Paul Scanlon wrote at the time of transition uh, when Abundant Life moved into becoming Abundant Life Church in Bradford and now Life Church in Bradford. And in his book, Crossing Over, as he recalls those difficult times, he said this, Before we can help people as their leaders, we must first be delivered from the people. To be delivered from people means to be free of their control, intimidation and manipulation. To be delivered from people means being able to hear from God without having a what will people think mentality. I guess we could say that of Timothy. Timothy was freed from the sense of what will people think in order to be free to serve God and live for the audience of one. Church. Will you pray that we as leaders will be God-centered leaders? Trust me, if we are God-centered leaders, we will bless you and serve you and be an encouragement to you in more ways than you would recognize. If we would be people that would be people-pleasing leaders, we will end up disappointing all of you all of the time. So please continue to pray for us that we will be leaders who serve God. And then, as he describes Timothy, here is another wonderful quality of godly leadership. He says in verse 22, But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him soon to you, as I see how things go with me. Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me, in the work of the gospel. Leaders are learners. Apprenticeship in Christian ministry is mandatory and healthy. See, Timothy has a proven track record through which he proved himself as a godly leader. And this is essential. It is essential for both Timothy and the church a leader that doesn't have an apprenticeship and a leader that cannot demonstrate that they, he or she has a proven track record is a danger to both themselves and the church. This is for the protection of both. And Paul is saying he served with me. That means he traveled with Paul and there was a sense of buying into the show and tell, seeing a demonstration 
incarnationally, day in and day out, warts and all of what it looks to serve Jesus and serve the gospel. So Timothy is able to travel with Paul and there's parts of the serving with Paul that would have been glamorous, having incredible access to the wonderful teaching and, and the powerful ministry that Paul demonstrated, but they would have been peppered with very difficult challenges too. And that's what a good apprenticeship should be. Both the privileges and the challenges of ministry should be something that the apprentice would be exposed to and have a chance to go through. But I love the way Paul is saying he ministered and served alongside me like a father. So this is a beautiful insight again into the relationship that's there where there's a sense of protection and encouragement. A father would be protective. He wouldn't want his son in the faith to be exposed and hurt unnecessarily or too early. Yet at the same time, he would be encouraging him, ready to release him and push him and, and give him opportunities. There's a wonderful picture of that healthy mentorship that is going on there. But the focus wasn't Paul's ministry. So Paul didn't get Timothy to be his apprentice in order to further his own ministry, but he very clearly states that he served with me in the work of the gospel. The purpose was the work of the gospel. That, that was the focus. That was the aim. That was what they were doing. Again, a throwback in the relationship between Moses and Joshua. And Moses took under his wing Joshua and developed him as a leader. He saw early signs of a man that was courageous and filled with faith and with a big view of God. And he wanted to use him. And therefore, very often when he would go to encounter God, Joshua would be getting as close as possible as he was allowed to the presence of God. And then very often when uh, he was standing outside the tent again, just guarding and being in Moses' shadow. Moses gave him loads of opportunities to develop himself and to learn. And then when it came to it, Moses acknowledged him publicly as the leader that would follow on, releasing him fully, giving him his full backing, giving him the advice and everything that he needed. That's the healthy way to go about leadership. Leaders are learners. And maybe this is a great reminder for young leaders. I want to say to all of you young leaders and aspiring leaders, who are you learning from? I want to say to the older leaders, the flip side of the coin, who are you training and developing? And I want to say to us as a church, let's make sure that in everything that we do, we do not neglect this incredible work of developing leaders. Sometimes we can be snowed under the mundane daily rhythms and pressures of ministry and that's always one of the things that regretfully as a pastor I feel it gets pushed to the back of my agenda because all the immediate and urgent and important stuff comes through and the development of leaders is one of the things that gets relegated but let's make sure this is a wonderful reminder that it's important to develop leaders so wrapping this wonderful expose of healthy kingdom leadership attitudes, principles, traits of character. Really, leaders belong in teams. Leaders serve God for the audience of one. Leaders are learners. 
This is a wonderful reminder for all of you who are leaders. This is a time to remind yourself that you're serving for the audience of one. Fix your eyes on God, pursue God, pursue intimacy with God, be in a place of listening to Him, and out of there would flow both the wisdom and the love for our people that is so necessary. If you're an aspiring leader in this season, can I call on you, and I want to say to you, show up and serve. That way you will be noticed. You don't do it to be noticed but your heart will be seen. And particularly in a difficult time like this, I wanna say this is a time that will show real leaders and real leadership opportunities. Don't be shy, don't be holding back, don't be apathetic. This is a time to stand up and serve. And I wanna to say to us as a church, please keep on praying for us. Be, keep on praying that we would be God-centered God-loving leaders. Honestly, that would be a coverall type prayer. If that happens, if we are loving God, we will love people, we would love you. We will have the wisdom and the vision and the boldness and the faith and the compassion and the every little quality that is needed in order to serve you in our community. So please continue, because I know you're already doing it, praying for us as leaders. Let me finish with some words that Paul spoke to the church in Ephesus as he was departing away from them in Acts 20, 28. Be on guard for yourselves as leaders and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God which you purchased with his own blood. Wonderful encouragement, great challenge, brilliant reminder. Let's take it to heart. Amen.